Hello, and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, GopherGuy05. Hello. Steve, Zips of Akron. We're back, baby. And you, Street. Hey, y'all. Hooray! We're good again. Um, men's basketball is... I don't... You guys have to explain this to me. I really don't. I mean, I, I I generally grasp why we're not great on the road. I know there's a lot of weirdness around COVID, but it's a it's a bit jarring to, uh, despite the fact that I I you know post the Michigan debacle, uh, what 13 days ago, um, or however long it was uh, when they got blown out by you know 25 or whatever. Both of both Steve and Street were able to explain pretty clearly why they thought you know given some basic assumptions of positivity much different game could happen in Minneapolis and that's exactly what we got but it's still very jarring to see that kind of a swing street what do you view as the the biggest change for the Gophers between the two games against Michigan I'd like to first note that I not only said they would beat Michigan after the game, I said they beat them by double digits. So I'm clearly a genius. We'll ignore all the times where I make obviously wrong pronouncements that I don't talk about. The big difference between the first game and the second game was on defense. And I happen to know this because Coach Patino told me on his uh, radio show, he told everyone else who was listening as well, that they completely changed the defensive game plan. They actually went back to the kind of Nate Mason, Amir Coffey, Dupree McBrayer sort of defensive game plan against Michigan. So they totally retooled it. That was the primary. And a big change in that retooling of the defense was that in Patino's words, all five guys had to be connected. And what that actually meant practically, I think, watching the game, was that uh, they were sending a lot more double teams and post traps at Hunter Dickinson's way. Uh, they also did some substitution. So every time Hunter Dickinson was on the bench, Liam Robbins had a little bit of foul trouble. But more or less any time Hunter Dickinson was on the bench for a lot of the game, Liam Robbins was also on the bench resting. That probably helped. But when Dickinson was in the game, they post-trapped hard and then had to scramble back. And when they were post-trapping, that meant somebody had to fill and somebody else had to move into the space that was being filled. And Gabe Kalsher, depending on who he was guarding, was either going to have to keep face guarding his defensive responsibility or do something as well, which meant that all five guys had to be together at once. And they did something similar in the Iowa matchup, the first one against Luca Garza, where they heavily post-trapped in the first half especially. When the defense is connected and on, they're a very good defensive basketball team. Again, they have the best defensive player in the conference, potentially the country. That helps. Liam Robbins is coming into his own as a defensive room protector, so that's helping. Brandon Johnson does not get enough credit, but Brandon Johnson, especially as he's gotten healthier, and I think he's probably healthy again, is been great, has been absolutely great on the defensive side of the floor. He's been really connected with Robbins. He's made sure that on those traps, he's getting back and scrambling. He's contesting shots on the wing. So they've got three really solid players. And Marcus Carr has been able, because they've had really solid interior post play, to take some plays off on defense without it killing the team. And when I say takes plays off on defense, this is not in any way to slag Marcus Carr. It's Marcus Carr is basically having to play 40 minutes every night. 
you're going to have to take in-game breathers. And they've done a really good job for him, too, in finding ways to hide him on the floor so he won't be won't be in trouble on that. I think that defensive side of the ball, because it wasn't the offensive side of the ball. Minnesota was four for 18 from distance, which is a miserable number. It, and how ma- And didn't Liam have two of those? Liam had three of them. Three of those, Jesus. Kalsher, Kalsher was one for three. Liam was three for three. The rest of the team did not make a shot from distance. The So on offense, you know, it's not the three ball. They did make more of a priority getting it inside, which was helpful. They got to the foul line, but not a lot. I mean, they only took 15 attempts from the foul line. What it really was is that Michigan came into the game averaging about 1.2 something points per possession, and Minnesota held them to 0.8. That's how you win basketball games. That's how this team in particular is going to have to win basketball games this year. They're going to have to win it on the defensive end of the ball. You make some good points, Alex. Um, I also think it's important to note that the gopher defense um, forced Michigan into 20 turnovers, which is insane to me that a team that's as fundamentally sound as Michigan could even you know reach that number. Um, and not only that, the gopher scored 23 points off those 20 turnovers, uh, which is in my mind, the story of the game. Um, it's not like Michigan shot poorly. Um, you know, they made what, six, uh, six or so three-pointers, um, shot about 40% from the field. But it was just, uh, you know, you, you saw the gopher defense swarming, to your point. Um, and it was just such a different look than what we had seen just two games ago. I mean, when they're on the road at Michigan, and maybe we can talk about this now, um, they were down by almost 40 points at one point, which in the Big Ten, major college basketball, I mean, that's almost yeah, It doesn't matter where you're playing, that's really bad. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> Nebraska is not going to be down 40 to Michigan. Um, but the Gophers now, with that big win at home, have passed almost every test you can throw at them this season, except beating a good team on the road. Now, they've only played good teams on the road, so I was hoping that today, when they were going to be on the road against Nebraska, we would actually see them play um, decent basketball against a non-top-10 team on the road and get a taste of what of what that would be. Um, but now our, you know, still our only litmus test is um, playing in Illinois or Wisconsin, Michigan or Iowa on the road, which, you know, you get four cracks at uh, four cracks at it, four bites at the apple. You would hope that they would keep it close and they haven't done that yet. So we still need to wait um, and we'll see them against Purdue as their first opportunity. But um, the fact that they can come back against a team that slapped them around just 10 days ago and then completely turn the tide and almost win by 20 over a top 10 team. I mean, that, that says something that, that they're in my mind here to stay through the end of the season, um, you know, ups and downs for sure, but you don't win the games they've been winning by accident. Especially not, you, you know, you do, you, you pick up one of those games, you could argue it was a trap or somebody overlooked you, but I don't care how, badly you beat them in Michigan Minnesota has been very tough at home this year and you know they Michigan I'm sure came in you know expecting a much better game than uh you know Minnesota gave them at at Chrysler and uh yeah damn that was that was something and let's back it up here to like a 30,000 foot view too I mean this is the last game of a brutal historically brutal stretch of a schedule 
where they had uh, nine games in a row against pretty much all top 25 um, competition, save for St. Louis, who at the time they played them was receiving votes and now was in the top 25. Um, you know, when we were mapping out the season to begin with, saw that stretch, it was like, boy, I hope they can win um, three games. We'd be feeling good about that. Instead, they yeah, win five. I think three, three was the most optimistic I feel like any of uh, anybody on the uh, Daily Gopher staff really dared to dream. Yeah. Now, now you, you you take five of those nine, you're feeling pretty good about yourself, and now you look at the rest of the season. Um, you know, as it currently stands, Gophers only play one top twenty-five team the rest of the way, and that's Illinois, and they get them at home. Where we've seen them so far playing at home, maybe that doesn't seem quite as daunting as it did before. Now, going on the road, even against a Maryland or a Purdue or a Rutgers, um, not any sort of walk in the park, but that's quite different than facing. Luca Garza at Carver Hawkeye Arena. All right. Well, speaking of Maryland, Maryland's their next opponent, thanks to Nebraska's COVID issues. Uh, is Maryland any good? I mean, they've beaten. I don't. I can't remember which teams they've yeah, beaten. That, but they that was a that was a question I had for Alex, and I'm hoping he can chime in because um, you know you look at Nebraska's body of work; it's not that impressive. They're eight and seven on the season, two and six in the conference. But you know where those two wins have come from on the road against Illinois and on the road against Wisconsin. So those are, those aren't teams you beat by accident. Um, but they've also, you know, dropped, uh, basically a laugher to Rutgers at home. Um, and then they've also been playing Michigan's and Iowa's and, um, you know, Indiana and Purdue. So it's, it's not like they are winless in the big 10, but they are also two and six with losses against, uh, some folks you would think they would want to beat. So um, I guess it's a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde routine, but uh, Alex was talking about offline before we get on here, how they, uh, the Gophers match up well against, uh, against the Terrapins. And especially with having them, having them at home, you would walk into the game feeling a little optimistic. Well, yeah, I mean, you should walk in optimistic in part to the extent that anyone should ever walk in optimistic about any university of Minnesota sport at all. It would be, the men's basketball team at Williams Arena, where this year on offense are currently the third best team in the country behind uh, Gonzaga and Villanova. Just so we're throwing that, and Iowa. Just so we're throwing that out there. At home, Minnesota is that level quality of a team on offense, and they're fantastic on defense. Maryland presents definitely some challenges. I don't think there's a single bad team in the Big Ten besides Nebraska. I think every other team is decent and on any given night can, in fact, beat any other team in the conference. And that's not some platitude because, like, that wasn't true last year. Last year, there were a lot of teams that on any given night would get the kick, you know, absolutely destroyed against most teams in the conference. But Maryland's Maryland's a solid team. They score the ball. Uh, they're pretty effective at doing so. They don't tend to get to the line very much. They look a lot of a jump shooting team. They don't have an offensive rebounding to speak of on defense. They don't force a whole lot of turnovers. They aren't particularly great at stopping their opponents from scoring. So... On the one hand, you might suspect, hey, this should be going in Minnesota's flavor. They probably play reasonably reasonably slow, and that would be how they'd like to play. 
but you could definitely see this being an up-tempo game if either team wants it to be an up-tempo game. And they played some really hard teams. I mean, Purdue should be a ranked basketball team. I imagine they'll be ranked certainly in the next couple of weeks. Lost barely to, to them on the road. They've done something Minnesota has not done, which is beat a team on the road this year. So I think this is definitely not a game that should be overlooked. Minnesota should be favored because because uh, the game's at home. Andy, this is about the moment where I would turn to you and try to uh, continue the good vibes because, you know, hockey's been solid, uh, both the men and the women, and instead uh, less so. Yeah, Andy, uh, last week we talked about hockey and you promised me that they were going to win a national championship and now they just got swept. What's going on here? Well, I mean, how, how the tides have turned. Last week we were ragging on the basketball team for, for getting their butts kicked, and the hockey teams were both ranked number one in the country, and then they went for a combined 0-4 last weekend. Oh, uh, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, this is where I say, well, you don't have to be undefeated to win national championships. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, both, uh, both the, the men and the women um, did not look good last weekend. Uh, I, you know... Uh, on the men's side, they got swept at home by Notre Dame. Um, for them, it wasn't so much a lack of talent. It was more just that they played right into Notre Dame's hands. Uh, Notre Dame plays sort of that trapping defensive style that everybody hated in the NHL for like five years. Um, and, and they worked it to perfection. Uh, Minnesota could not make a pass to save their lives in the in the opener on Friday. Um Notre Dame would not let them break into the zone at all and have any controlled entry. Uh, I mean, as, as I think I tweeted out at one point, they looked like a, the team that played early in 2019, not the team that played early in 2020 season, which is not a not a good thing. Um, they just did not look like a, a concise team at all. Um, you know, they, they made it a game losing 3-2 on Friday, but uh, but Notre Dame pretty much controlled play. Same thing on Saturday. Uh, the Gophers just couldn't buy a goal. Uh, Notre Dame just suffocated them on defense. Minnesota didn't do what they needed to do uh, and dropped a 2-1 game. Um, it didn't help that they missed Scott Reedy for the entire series. He got he missed the final game in the, in the uh, Wisconsin series the weekend before. Uh, missed the, both games in Notre Dame. It's hoping uh, he might be back for uh, the Arizona State Series. They'll start Thursday night. Um, Matt Stodicker, one of their other defensemen, sounds like less so. He'll probably be out yet again. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the men have some, some work to do. They uh, Bob Motzko gave, was, uh, they had press availability on Wednesday, and he, he pretty much said, uh, and he, he pulled a P.J. Fleck basically saying, yep, it's on me. I didn't have him prepared. Um, but they'll be damn sure to know what they need to do to be prepared next time. So it's one of those basically saying, I'll, I'll take the blame, but um, do you realize that I'm, uh, I'm I'm not happy with the way they played it all and they're going to hear it from me all week in practice. So uh, hopefully things turn around. Uh, they host their final non-conference series against Arizona State coming back to Mariucci Thursday night at 7 and Friday afternoon at 4 p.m., both games on uh, Fox Sports North. Uh, you know, Arizona State, they're a little battered down. They played Wisconsin last weekend. Um, they had some COVID issues. Um, they they lost a few players. Um, so, 
in theory, it should be a pretty easy sweep for Minnesota if they can play their game. But uh, as we learned from last weekend, if they if they play into their opponent's hands, uh, this team is definitely not uh, invincible. I have kind of a two part question. I'm going to make it Blake X. This is Blake asks a hockey question. We'll just pretend Blake came up with the two part question. I think the first part is is that is the trapping style of defense Notre Dame plays something that you expect teams to try to emulate now that they've seen its effect. And then second part would be for a a team like Minnesota, which, you know, as you've talked about in previous podcasts, really likes to uh, try to use entry passes as its uh, way to break open and off on the offensive side of the ice. How do you, how do you counteract that trapping defense uh, given your style when it's being done well? Well, I mean, I think Notre Dame is more, better suited for it just because they have the right personnel and that's their system. I mean, it's, it's that to be really good at something like that, that's not something you can just sort of switch on on a week on week off basis, depending upon who you're playing. I mean, Notre Dame, that's Notre Dame's defensive system. And it's one of the reasons why I think uh, I'd have to look back and see the exact number now, but I think it's something like between Minnesota and Notre Dame, 14 of their last 15 games have been decided by a goal. Um, you know, they, they, these two teams are, are matched up pretty even, and they, they know how each other play. Um, you know, so uh, to beat that, Minnesota's got to be better at puck control. You know, they were they were not making crisp passes. You, you know that Notre Dame is going to try and basically shut down the, the zone entry and is going to put four guys along the blue line and make you dump and chase. Um, you know, what you need to do is you need to adjust your game, be able to, to find some space, whether that's passing not necessarily to a player, but passing it to a space and going to get the puck. Um, you know, we, we know Minnesota likes the more of those, those tape to tape type passes, but against that, against that Notre Dame defense, you, you just can't do it. I mean, they're going to shut that down. They're not going to let you set that up. So really what you need to do to have success is, is you almost have to turn back into a dump and chase team. You have to get the puck in the zone. You have to go four check hard. You have to get possession of the puck. And then once you're in the defensive zone, then you can try and set things up. Um, but they're, they're not a team, you know, although, otherwise trying to take advantage of odd man rushes would be another thing. But if you're, you're coming down on a five on five, they're, they're not a team that's going to allow you to make a couple, three, four nice passes to get in. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to get gritty. You're going to have to, you know, do the things that good teams do to win. And, and last weekend, that just wasn't going to happen for the Gophers. All right. Well, the women also uh, struggled. They not only were swept uh, by Wisconsin, but gave up, was it 10 goals over the weekend? 11 goals, which is oh, basically... Which is even even worse. <laughs> yeah, I think, actually, I think that was, I'm, I'm doing the math right now. One, two, three, four, five seven, nine, nine. So they had given up nine goals in their previous nine games and gave up 11 this weekend to the Badgers. So, uh, yeah, that wasn't good. Um, you know, Minnesota took advantage, became the number one team in the country uh, by taking three games from St. Cloud State. Wisconsin split with Ohio State. So the Gophers got a chance to uh, become the number one team in the country. And it's very obvious from playing last week that they're not the number one team in the country. The Badgers just absolutely wiped them up and down the ice. They got better goaltending. They got better scoring. They got better defense. Uh, this Gopher team is good, but they're not as good as this Wisconsin team. Now, 
you know, the, the teams will face off again here in, in two weeks back in Minneapolis, and I think Minnesota will put a much tougher fight up then than they did in Madison. Um, but, yeah, they've got to figure a few things out because, uh, I mean, losing 5 nothing on on Friday and then coming back and losing 6-3 on Saturday. Mind you, that was a 3-3 game as well. Uh, they just got completely boat raced out of the arena in the in the third period on Saturday, uh, and it just shows that right now Wisconsin is a, is a much better team. Of course, it helps also when you have roster spots. Wisconsin picked up a, a transfer freshman who was originally supposed to be playing at Princeton this year. Um, she decided to transfer in because obviously the Ivy League's not playing this year. Was a strong forward on the on the U.S. Under 18 Women's World Championship team. Um, arguably, it was one of the top three or four forwards. Um, so all of a sudden, Wisconsin just added another top quality player in the country on a whim for the second half of the season. So they're uh, they're pretty well loaded. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be a dogfight between Minnesota, Ohio State, and Wisconsin to see down the stretch here who who can try and uh, end up on top for seeding wise, both for the WCHA playoffs and for the NCAA tournament. Um, but I'll be I'll be shocked if uh, if Wisconsin isn't uh, towards the top when this comes in. The only only team they've struggled against us so far this season has been uh, Ohio State, and uh, Ohio State, you know, split the first series with Minnesota. Um, the Gophers get to play them four more times. They've got this weekend off before heading out to Columbus next weekend, um, and then they flip and play Wisconsin at home and Ohio State at home the next two weeks after that. So uh, the schedule doesn't get any easier for for the Gopher women, and we'll find out after these uh, next six games really where they're going to rank in the uh, both in the WCHA and the country. Well, it's uh, some big matchups coming for some of the uh, other sports in the in the Gopher sports world. Friday's a big day. Um, number four gymnastics is at number three Michigan on Friday, and uh, wrestling hosts number one Iowa as well. And then volleyball uh, starts their season. It's really weird to say that, by the way, because it's January. But volleyball starts their season Saturday against, uh, what, Michigan State, Andy? Is that correct? Yeah, Michigan State. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, a lot of remote flipping if you're interested in, in sports, Gopher sports, especially on Friday. You've got uh, the Gopher men's hockey team playing at 4 o'clock on FSN against Arizona State. Uh, as we said, the, the women's gymnastics team, uh, they picked up a win against Iowa last week, moved up from number 11 to number 4 in the country this week, uh, and they traveled to number 3 Michigan, the only team that was uh, rated above them in the Big Ten for what should be a huge matchup. Um you know the Gophers set some. They had their highest season opening score ever last week against Iowa. Uh, Ona Loper won the all-around title, thirty-nine point six two five. Beat her senior teammate Lexi Ramler as well. Um, you know the, the Gophers have a top two, and then they they struggle a little bit from there. So it should be interesting to see how though that matches at four thirty on Friday and will be live on ESPNU. So you'll be able to flip between hockey and gymnastics. Um, and then yeah. Uh, wrestling, as we said, they host number one Iowa Friday night, uh, BTN eight o'clock. That's live. Um, Iowa as a team is significantly better than Minnesota. They've got one, two, three, three ranked wrestlers ranked number one in the country, one ranked number two, and two ranked number three right now. Um, the Gophers just really can't compete. Obviously, they have uh, Gable Stevenson ranked number one in heavyweight. Uh, should set up a potential number one 
versus number three matchup between Stevenson and Iowa's Tony Cassiope, uh, which could be a, a fun match to watch. But all in all, uh, probably will be another tough one for the for the Gopher wrestling team Friday night. And then yes, as we said, volleyball finally gets going. Um, you know, the Gophers ranked number seven in the country there. Uh, the All Big Ten uh, preseason rankings came out. Uh, Reagan Pittman and Stephanie Samdi both landed a, a spot on the preseason All Big Ten team. Came out today. Uh, they are predicted to finish second in the conference behind Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, the number one ranked team in the in the country right now in volleyball. Um, and yeah, the Gophers will open up. They will play. Uh, if you haven't. If we we talked about it earlier, but if you don't remember, volleyball is going with sort of the uh, the hockey type schedule this year. Uh, they will play eleven basically two game series against opponents, either home or away. So Michigan State comes into uh, the PAB this weekend, and the Gophers will play them twice. They'll play them sa- uh, they start Saturday evening uh, or start Saturday afternoon at four o'clock. Uh, that match will be on BTN Plus, and then Sunday they play at 3 o'clock in a rematch, and that one will be on uh, Fox 9 Plus live in the Twin Cities. So it'll be, uh, God, the first over-the-air match for Gopher Volleyball, I think, ever, frankly. I can't think of another time where Minnesota's played over-the-air for volleyball. Um, but we'll get a good look at uh, at the Gophers. Michigan State was, I think, predicted middle of the pack, so in theory, um, Minnesota should have no problem winning both matches this weekend. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously the Gophers are one of the top teams in the Big Ten, one of the top teams in the country, so uh, it should be a uh, fun 11-week season before we get to a uh, NCAA tournament where uh, anything can happen, and hopefully the Gophers can make some noise. So weird. So weird. It's January. Fuck you, COVID. Um, all right, looking ahead to Saturday. It's time for predictions. We need to Throw some numbers out there for uh, Maryland at the Gophers. Uh, at this point, I don't have any idea, so I'll just say 70 to 60 Minnesota. Andy, what's your prediction? Uh, Kevin McHale, 73. Len Bias, 68. <laughs> Zips. <laughs> uh, I'll take the Gophers by 7. 72-65. Street, how about you? I will not make a prediction in public. That way, regardless of what happens, I can claim I was right. I will say that the matchup <laughs> of interest is uh, whether or not Minnesota can get more than 70% of their shots in the paint. If that is the case, Minnesota should win. All right. Well, friends, uh, busy weekend for the Gophers, um, so enjoy that if you've got the time to watch. In the meantime, go Gophers, Sky Yuma, row the boat.